Welcome back, everybody, to Coastal Covers. This is the GCG, and I am coming at you with another conference preview in our quest to bring you every single conference, every single team in FBS football, give you a preview, give you a breakdown of their schedule, give you a pick for the best bet for the over-under, talk a little shit about conferences, tell you what we like, don't like, so on, so forth. Today, uh, I will be on my onesies. We are still trying to bust these out before the season starts to get to some other fun stuff, so... Um, there will be a part two with my normal uh, co-pilot here, Protopapa. This one will be just me. This is part one of the Big 12. Big 12, uh, very interesting, very in a very interesting spot now with the upcoming changes with Texas and Oklahoma leaving. Um, Mike Gundy calling them out at meetings like, hey, why are you guys even at league meetings? Why are you getting to vote on anything? You two are leaving, and I love it. <laughs> I love that they're kind of shunning him, and, and he's absolutely right, by the way. Why are they, you know, casting votes for a conference that they're leaving? They're, they're no longer a part of things. It's time for you to go. It's like when you put your two weeks notice in at a job, and then they have, like, a big staff meeting, and you're like, uh, do I have to go because I don't really fucking care anymore? Why are they there? So uh, good point there for Gundy. Um, but there's already some other teams showing that they're ready to step up to the plate. Last year, the championship game was Baylor and Oklahoma uh, State. So Oklahoma, Texas, you weren't even there. I mean, I, Texas, what do they win, five games? <laughs> I mean, you know, it's 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 been a little bit since Texas was really a huge factor in the big picture of things. Oklahoma, of course, has been for, for a while now. I mean, they've never really tailed off. So, um yeah, it's, it's interesting to see these other teams stepping up, and now we're going to get Cincy, uh, UCF, and, and Houston. And, and I wonder, you know, what goes on from here? Like, like, obviously, already outside of Texas and Oklahoma, these teams in this conference don't consistently recruit even in the top 25. So now with the Big Ten and the SEC building up the way that they're building, and they're obviously going to be getting a shit ton of the recruits. I mean, what's the television money going to look like everywhere else? What's the NIL going to – I mean, the NIL could be whatever it is, so that's going to be key for conferences like the ACC, the Big 12, and the, and the Pac-12, as long as they're allowed to exist. <laughs> um, the NIL is going to be key to recruiting because, you know, I don't know what – the pitch is to everyone else. It's, it's they're going to be, you know, no, we got to play in the Big Ten and the SEC to 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 get on TV to get noticed. That's major college football. This is this is like Group of Five level now, and I I just don't know if that's the way it's going to go. If it's going to be like the AAC where it's like kind of like oh the Power Six, but you know not really because you know their highest team recruits like in the fortieth in the nation, you know, around the forty level of the nation. So it's like. I don't know. I don't know what's truly going to become of these other conferences, but the Big 12 is one that we're just going to have to wait and see. Um, I really would like to see the Big 12 and Pac-12 merge, honestly. I know they've already kind of like shit out on that, and and they're in a little bit of a pissing contest now. Um, but that one has a lot of regionality to it for me, and I, I would really appreciate that aspect aspect of the game. And I think – there's still enough talent there out there between those two conferences to really form something, you know, that I like. So, all right, let's start digging into these teams here. Uh, first off, we're going to talk a little Kansas Jayhawk football. Lance Leopold coming in for his second year, already bringing a little excitement to the team last year. No, they weren't great. You know, they went two and 10. 
their win over Texas in overtime at the end of the season was pretty awesome, pretty unexpected. Um, and, and they were already getting closer as the season went on. I mean, they only lost by, lost by 12 to Oklahoma. They only lost by three at TCU. They only lost by six to West Virginia. So they were in some more of these games, which is uh, it's good for this program, if I'm being honest. So um, this year they're bringing back 82% of their total re- uh, production, uh, which is good for 10th in the country. 75% of their offensive production from a year ago is back. That's good for 38. 89% of uh, their defensive production is back, which is fourth in the country on that side of the ball. So that's great. Um, Recruiting-wise, 10, 9, 10 over the last three years in the conference. So so that's not too good. Transfer portal this year, however, Lance Leopold getting it done. Number 21 in the country uh, in the transfer portal. They got nine back on offense. Wasn't a great offense last year. We'll just uh, put out 113th total offense. Seven back on defense. Now that's where we really struggled. 129th scoring defense, 129th rushing defense, 126th overall uh, total defense. Not great. Offensive side of the ball, quarterback Jalen Daniels comes back. He uh, emerged into a pretty decent playmaker late in the season last year. Jason Bean, a former UNT guy, North Texas, he was there last year, and he showed some flashes too of being really, especially on, on his feet, he can make some plays. Not a great passer, but kind of kind of an electric player sometimes. Four or five back on the O-line. Devin Neal returning at running back. He had 700 yards and eight touchdowns as a freshman. That's not bad at all. There's some transfers from Minnesota and Nebraska coming in at running back, too, to provide some depth there. Wide receiver also has some experience, but nothing really crazy uh, at that position. Experience at every level of the D, but the D line has to get better. I mean, that run defense was was pathetic, and that's where it all starts is in the trenches. Uh, linebacker brings in a couple transfers from UCF and OSU, Ohio State, to, to add some depth. Um, and they have returning starter Rich Miller, who is a projected second-team all-conference player. Uh, the secondary seems like it could be another uh, rough year for them uh, as far as in, in the secondary, but they do add a transfer from Michigan State, who was like dead last in the country in pass defense last year. So eh, I don't know how excited you want to get there, but they do have a projected all-conference strong safety, Kenny Logan Jr. So let's see what we think. Vegas thinks the over-under is two and a half, so they're saying uh, – Two or three wins, um, they're leaning towards the two or less side of things. It's uh, over is plus 105, under is minus 125. So you can see the way they're leaning there. Tennessee Tech is the first game of season. They were 3-8 and eight in the FCS last year. I'm going to go ahead and give the Jayhawks a win. Then they're going to go on the road two straight weeks to West Virginia and to Houston. Um, yeah, rough stretch there. You're going to drop both of those. Then you bring the Duke Blue Devils to town. Now, Duke did win this game 52-33 to last year. However, I actually think the Jayhawks have a better roster and are set up a little bit better for success this year. I'm going to give the win to Kansas. Then they're going to bring Iowa State to town. It's homecoming for Kansas, um, but I'm going to give the win to Iowa State there, so that's a loss. TCU comes to town. Uh, that's between Oklahoma and Oklahoma State for TCU. Like I said uh, before, Kansas held it close last year. It was 31-28 to against TCU. I'm actually going to go ahead and give the win to Kansas here with Sonny Dykes in his first year. A lot of new stuff going on there at TCU. Kansas bringing back a lot more stability. I'm going to give them their third win, so I've already cashed the over on Lance Leopold and the Kansas Jayhawks. That being said, I have them losing the next two games at Oklahoma, at Baylor. They have the bye week. They come out. They play Oklahoma State. Another little tricky uh 
tricky spot there. It's the second of a back-to-back road trip for Oklahoma State. It's in the middle of Kansas State and Iowa State. Um, so a tricky spot, but Oklahoma State did beat this team 55-3 to last year. Um, so I, I'm going to give the window to the Cowboys. Then they go at Texas Tech, going to Lubbock. I'm going to give them a loss there. Texas comes to town. I think Texas a uh, little bit ready for it after last year. I think that was pretty embarrassing for them. I still do think Kansas will keep it a little close, though, but um, that's a loss for Kansas. And then they go at Kansas State where they have lost 13 straight games against the Wildcats. Um, I'm going to give them a loss there. So I got this team 3-9. and nine. I am on the over at plus 105. I, I think Leopold can slowly but surely get this thing turned around. Um I'm not super confident in this play, but yeah, that's definitely the side I'd be on um, personally. So let's go to the next team in the conference, uh, which is the Texas Tech Red Raiders. This team has 60% of their total production from a year ago returning. That is good for 90th in the country and nothing really special on either side of the ball as far as returning production wise. Um, They have been recruiting around the same level for the past three years, seventh in the conference, 10th in the conference, seventh in the conference Um, transfer portal number 26. So again, not a bad job. They went six and six last year. Um, Joey McGuire, this is his first year as head coach. He went three and three as interim last year. Um, He was a major Texas high school head coach. So that's something that they love down there. Their high school football programs, a big tradition, you know, Friday night lights. Um, and he was a big deal down there for that. And then he's been a uh, defensive position and assistant head coach for Baylor since 2017. So this guy comes in and he's uh, he's ready to go, ready to take the reins. Um, this team was fourth on offense last year, 39th for the past, 56th total offense, seventh on defense, 40th in rush defense. But that could have been boosted by the fact that they were 119th in passing defense. So you can literally, literally come in and just throw all over them. 86th total defense. Zach Kitley is in an offensive coordinator. Um, he's like a real up and comer here. He was a GA for Texas Tech under um, Cliff Kingsbury from 2015 to 2017. Then he was offensive coordinator of Houston Baptist 2018 to 2020. Came up with Bailey Zappi to go to the Western Kentucky Hilltoppers last year. Um, and Western Kentucky really popped off. And, and now he has an offensive coordinator job at Texas Tech, um, just seven years removed from when he was a grad assistant. So Zach Kitley really flying up through the ranks here. Quarterback's going to be a battle between uh, Tyler Shuck, who started as the starting quarterback last year. He was a highly touted uh, Oregon transfer for the program, but then he went down and Donovan Smith took over. So those two are in a little bit of a quarterback battle now in camp. Running back brings back a ton of experience, including Sir Roderick Thompson, who is a pretty good back when this team actually decides to – Take a shot and run the ball. Not much coming back at wide receiver. Pretty inexperienced there. O-line only returns too. So it will be interesting to see what Zach Kitley does with this team. Longtime defensive coordinator Tim DeRuder is in it, is in a coordinator for the uh, Red Raiders now. Um, two or three are back on the D-line, both projected all-conference. So that's good. Defensive end Tyree Wilson is projected second team. Defensive tackle Jalen Hutchins is projected third. You have some experience there at linebacker, not a lot of depth, not a lot really worth talking about. Uh, strong safety, Dadrian Taylor Demerson, um, little hyphenated name there at the end, Taylor Demerson, is projected second team all-conference. So you do have that at safety, but nothing else really popping off on the page in the secondary. Um, I mean, they were the 119th pass defense last year. 
So really not all that surprising, is it? Um, they're going to start off playing Murray State. They were 6-5 and five in the FCS last year. They're going to come to Lubbock. Um, Over-under, by the way, is 5.5. Vegas is saying the over is plus 100. The under is minus 120. So they're leaning a little more towards 5 or less. Murray State, I'm going to give Texas Tech a win. And then they bring Houston to town. This is the second leg of a back-to-back for Houston. Texas Tech beat them 38-21 to and is 4-1 and in like recent history, the last five games. So um, Texas Tech has kind of owned this thing recently. However, I think the Houston defense is really good, and I think the offense is ready for this shootout. I'm, I'm going to give the Cougars the win on the road. They start off with a really tough stretch. This game's really 50-50, but I'm going to give the edge to Houston here. Um, on account of their defense is, is leagues above what the Red Raiders have. Then they're going to go on the road and play NC State up in Raleigh. I'm going to go with another loss there. The Texas Longhorns come to town. They beat up on the Raiders 70-35 uh, to 35 last year, 10-2 since 2010. I'm going to give Sarkeesian the win there, so that is a loss for Texas Tech. Then they go at Kansas State and at Oklahoma State. Two more losses for me. So they are one and five going into the bye week, and then the bye week hits out of the bye week. They have West Virginia at home, homecoming for Texas Tech. I did give the win to West Virginia. I like their team a little bit better than Texas Tech this year. However, that is another 50-50 game. Um, then they're going to bring Baylor to town. That game is before Oklahoma for Baylor. Baylor won just 27-24 to last year. Uh I gave the win to Texas Tech, actually. I, th- I think there's a little bit of an upset spot here in Lubbock between a couple of the uh, not-premier Texas schools down there. So I gave the win to the Red Raiders, and then it's at TCU, and Kansas comes to Lubbock. I gave them a loss against TCU, a win over Kansas, and they're going to wrap up the season with at Iowa State in Ames and then bringing Oklahoma, the Sooners, to town. Two more losses for me. Now, I have this team 3-9. and nine. The over-under is 5.5. I'm very strong on the under. There are some 50-50 games, but I see this team getting nowhere close to 6. I mean, I, I mean, 5 is the ceiling for me. I don't think this team is going to touch 6. The only thing I will say is that none of their opponents have a bye before they play Texas Tech, which is interesting because you have Kitley, um, and he's going to be pretty difficult to prepare for. He brings a lot of different things to an offense. He's, he's an innovator. So uh, this guy's succeeded at every level he's been so far. So um, they could put up a lot, a lot, a lot of points here. It's going to be interesting to see teams game plan for them as the season goes on. Sure, I think they might catch somebody. Like I said, Baylor, they could very well catch them uh, in Lubbock. Lubbock's a decent home field advantage. So um, we'll see. But under at minus 120 is my play here. I, I like it a pretty decent amount. All right, that is going to bring us to the West Virginia Mountaineers. Um, They were 6-6 and last year, which kind of seems like the West Virginia special. This is what I don't like when – this is a perfect example of what I don't like when you're talking about regionality in college football. This is why I think regionality is so important because you get a team like West Virginia. Cincinnati, pay attention because you're going to be the same thing here real, real soon. You get a team like West Virginia and you're playing Power 5 football – but half of your games, you're traveling like damn near across the country. So West Virginia pretty much goes six and six every year. They basically win their home games, lose their road games, and then you know it like switches on a few games throughout the season. Like, oh, if they bring Oklahoma to town, yeah, Oklahoma wins. But if they go on the road to play, you know, Kansas, they they typically win that. So yeah, they, there's some exceptions, but for the most part, 
They win their home games. They lose their road games. And it's it's boring. It's fun in a big picture of things like, oh, you know, Oklahoma's 8-0 going into Morgantown, you know, for their, their ninth game of the season. And, hey, it's a spoiler. But other than that, it doesn't do much for the program of the West Virginia Mountaineers other than like, oh, they look cool for that one week this season. I, I don't know. I don't like it. So returning production-wise, 56 total uh, production from a year ago returns. Good for 111th in the country. So nothing special uh, there. They have been recruiting pretty decent for a team that has to travel cross-country like constantly. Uh, fourth, fifth, and fourth the last three years in the conference. So that's pretty strong, right between you know 35 to 45 in those hashes uh, nationally. So that's not terrible. Transfer portal 2022, they're uh, number 32 in the country. Not bad. Six and six last year. Like I said, they lost four of six away. They won four of six at home. So pretty much straight up win your home games, lose your road games. Uh, Neil Brown is back for year four as head coach, 17 and 18 overall. Uh, so there you go. Close to 500 yet again. Six back on offense, 56 passing offense, 88th total offense from a year ago, 88th, not great there. Three back on defense, this is the 42nd rushing defense, 39th passing defense, 37th total defense from a year ago, so not bad on that side of the ball. To bring a little life to offense, uh, Graham Harrell's going to come in and take over as the OC. We all remember Graham Harrell from his days with, uh, actually, Texas Tech, so um you know, he's a gunslinger. He's from the Air Raid School of Thought, and that's going to be the track he's going. He's, he's going to get a head coaching here, job here soon enough. I mean, I'm sure we'll see it with the way things are going. Guys like Kitley getting jobs uh, as OC moving up, and then, you know, all the various, like, leech disciples and stuff like that that end up getting head coaching jobs because of the Air Raid. Um, that's kind of the thing that's in nowadays. So we'll see. Jared Doge, Doge, Dodgy, I don't know, whatever. He's out. He transfers to Western, uh, yeah, Western Kentucky. Uh, speaking of uh, Kitley, he goes to his old program there. Uh, and in comes JT Daniels um, from Georgia. So already reloading at quarterback pretty well there. I think JT Daniels is pretty, uh, pretty damn talented when he's healthy. So he should fit in with the offense well there. They lost running back Letty Brown. That's like the huge knock for me with this team here. Letty Brown was an absolute beast. I loved watching that dude play. Uh, he really, really could just truck stick, like hit stick dudes. It was fucking sweet. But he is gone. They do return all their backups from last year and uh, add Lynn J. Dixon from Clemson uh, in the portal, which is a really explosive running back there. So that's that's interesting at least. Uh, wide receiver Bryce Ford Wheaton is projected second team all conference, so that's good. Sam James also has some experience at the wide receiver position. Uh, and there's five starters back on the O-line, which you always have to love that. So seems like this team could have a little bit of pop on offense, maybe even a little bit enough to, to raise up that 80th total uh, offense from a year ago under Graham Harrell here. D-line returns a ton of talent, including potential All-American Dante Stills. Um, he, he's a D tackle. He's an absolute beast. If you get some time this year, watch some West Virginia football and check out Dante Stills. He's a future NFL player. Uh, so that is a good thing there. Obviously secondary has been rated through the transfer portal. Um, only projected third teamer Charles Woods has a pedigree of any sort on that side of the ball. He is a cornerback. Um, he's projected third team. So, so not great. That D line is going to have to put in some overtime, to uh, help out the DBs 
pressure some quarterbacks. So we'll see how that plays out. Linebacker also only returns one starter, has upperclassmen projected to start, though, so that's good. But their depth looks a little shallow uh, on the defense in general. So we'll see. Defense has been Neil Brown's strong point. I think he can keep that rolling a little bit there, but we will uh, we will see how it goes as the season goes on. Vegas saying the season looks like another five and a half over under, which means they're thinking six or five or less uh, over set at minus 130. So Vegas feeling pretty good about the six and six West Virginia special under is plus 110. All right. First game of the season, they're going to go to the backyard brawl. They're going to go play pit at whatever they're calling Heinz Field these days. Pitt is 61 and 40 all time in the backyard brawl. This is one of the best rivalries in college football, like low key. Nobody knows about it really outside of like, you know, the people regional to that area. It's a physical game. It's an awesome game. There's been a lot of stud players to come through both of these programs. Uh, Really chippy environment. So awesome spot there. I'm going to give the win to Pitt being that they are at home. And this is the first time this game's happened in quite a while. Um, I'm going to give them the edge. Also, just been a better program recently. Uh, then you're going to have two straight home games for West Virginia. They're going to bring Kansas to town and Towson. Uh, Towson was 4-7 and seven in the FCS last year. I got two wins there. And then West Virginia is going to go on the road to Blacksburg, Virginia, and play Virginia Tech. Um, West Virginia beat this team last year 27-21. to 21. They are 29-23 and 23 all-time against the Hokies. I'm giving them a win here on the road, so this is probably – yeah, I just looked at the rest of the schedule. This is the only road win I gave them, so congratulations there. Then it's the second leg of a back-to-back road trip. Uh, they go to Texas. It is before Oklahoma for Texas, so interesting there. They did beat Texas in Morgantown last year, 31-23. to I do have them losing this one, though. Bye week, and then they bring Baylor to town and go to Lubbock to play Texas Tech. I got two losses there. Both Baylor and Texas Tech have um, buys before they play West Virginia. The Texas Tech game is homecoming for Texas Tech. And Texas Tech has actually beat West Virginia three times in a row. So there you have it. Um, then they're going to bring TCU to town. I got them winning that one. Homecoming for West Virginia, by the way. So the uh, Hills Have Eyes people will be coming out of – is that Hills Have Eyes? It's wrong turn. The wrong turn people will be coming out of the mountains and uh, celebrating homecoming for that one. Congratulations, everybody there at Morgantown WV. And then they're going to go to Ames at Iowa State for their home coming out in the cornfields. So that's another fun one. And they're going to drop that one. They got Oklahoma and Kansas State both coming to town. I gave them the upset win over Oklahoma. Uh, it is between Baylor and Oklahoma State for Oklahoma. Oklahoma beat this team just 13 or 16 to 13 last year. Um, and I got them getting it done in Morgantown. I think it's going to be a crazy home field environment for that one. I think uh, fans are going to show up and, and really uh, really go nuts. So we'll see. I got them getting it done. And then I have them beating Kansas State on a second leg of a back-to-back for the Wildcats as well. Uh, and then they go on the road to play Oklahoma State in Stillwater. I got them losing that one, bringing them to a total of 6-6, six and six, uh, of course, which means I am on the over at minus 130. It's not one of my favorite plays, but I, I am fairly confident that the Virgin, uh, West Virginia Mountaineers will get that one done. It's kind of their M.O., like I said. All right, that's going to bring us to the TCU Horn Frogs. They are bringing back 82% of their total production from a year ago, um, and that means 82% on both sides of the ball as well from 2021. Impressive. Sonny Dykes able to like keep the turnover down there after losing Gary Patterson. Uh, they fired him last year. He They wanted him to uh, 
finish out the season, you know, save face a little bit. And Gary Patterson said, fuck you, I'm out. <laughs> so uh, typically after that sort of thing, especially a legend coach like uh, Gary Patterson, you have like a mass exodus after something like that. But not at TCU. They held it together. Sonny Dykes did a good job. Um, looking for a little redemption after his Cal tenure where uh, he underperformed expectations, I guess. They fired his ass. Um, and they went to the G5 level and dominated down there for, for a while now, um, putting together some stellar offenses. So uh, TCU was third in the conference, 23rd in the country in 2020 in recruiting, but then back down to earth a little bit in 2021 and 2022, good for just sixth and eighth in the conference. They were five and seven last year with all the chaos going on, um, but they do bring seven back on O, which this was the 29th rushing attack, 36 total offense in the country last year. But they did lose Zach Evans, which was like the focal point of the offense. He was a running back. Really good player. He transferred out. Uh, seven back on defense. There was, it was the 118th scoring defense, 122nd rushing defense, uh, and 119th total defense a year ago. Um, so you see how far that dropped without Gary Patterson being there. I mean, that was obviously his bread and butter when he wasn't writing country music. So, um, Quarterback's going to be probably Max Duggan again, Dugan, Duggan, whatever, the ginger guy that scrambles around a little bit. But um, they also have a former high recruit from Oklahoma. Uh, he transferred in freshman Chandler Morris. So could be a little bit of a quarterback battle there. Maybe not as cut and dry as everyone's thinking with Duggan. Um, and then they bring running back Zach Evans to town. Or I'm um, sorry, running back Zach Evans is gone. I already said that. But – Kendra Miller's been on the, the roster for a while here, and he's averaging 7.4 yards per carry for his career. No, he's never been the main guy, but um, he, he's gotten a lot of carries. So uh, that's pretty impressive. He had 7.1 yards per carry last year and uh, a lot of backup work for Zach Evans, a lot of change of pace stuff. So a good running back there. Um, they got tons of talent, running back and wide receiver. Wide receiver has Quentin Johnson, who's projected first team at all conference, just to a five back on the O-line, though which does uh, worry me a little bit for the Sonny Dykes offense, the high-powered offenses that he likes to run. Joe Gillespie comes in at defensive coordinator from Tulsa. I really, really like that hire. Uh, Gillespie has had some really good defensive units there with the Golden Hurricane, so I am excited to see what he does opposite uh, Sonny Dykes on the defensive side of the ball. Um, very interested. There's a lot of experience and talent to be seen in D at every level here. Uh, defensive end Dylan Horton is projected third team. Linebacker D Winters is projected third team. Navy transfer linebacker Johnny Hodges comes in. So he decided, like, fuck the Navy. I'm going to go to Texas Christian University. So good for you, I guess. Uh, and last year's first team all-conference cornerback Trevius Trevius Hodges Tomlinson. That's a mouthful. But he is also back safety. Mark Perry transfers in from Colorado to sure up things in the secondary a little bit. Um, so we will see uh, TCU, a lot of turnover, a lot of change, but does also bring back a lot of production from last year. Vegas is saying the over-under is six and a half. So not a low bar set for Sonny Dykes by any means. And the over is minus 120. The under is plus 100. They're going to start off the season in Boulder at Colorado playing the Buffaloes. I have them getting that one done and then bringing Tarleton to town uh, to Fort Worth. This was a 6-5 and five FCS team a year ago. I have them winning that one as well. So 2-0 going into the bye week, early bye for TCU. And they're going to go on the road to play SMU. Uh, SMU is where Sonny Dykes just came from to coach. 
SMU beat this team last year, 42 to 34, has won two straight. Um, and I got them getting this one done again. I think they're going to be, I think the Mustangs are going to be hyped up. I think they're going to get this game done. They're, uh, you know, both teams are going to have some tune-up games under their belt. SMU has a little bit more returning, even though they're going to have the new head coach as well. They have they have a lot returning too. I, I think uh, this is going to be a shootout, but I'm giving the edge to SMU down there in Dallas. Oklahoma comes to town. I got the loss, even though it's homecoming for TCU. Not a very good use of your homecoming game. Not good planning there. Then they go at Kansas. I did give them the loss. Close game last year, and uh, things are falling apart a little bit here for the Horn Frogs under Sunny Dites. So I got the loss there. They bring Oklahoma to state, Oklahoma State to town after that, and then Kansas State. I let them split it. I was tempted to give them two losses here, but I gave them the loss to Oklahoma State, and I gave them the win against Kansas State um, there in Fort Worth. So moving on, they're going to go at West Virginia. It's homecoming for West Virginia. They have won four straight in this matchup, five of the last six against TCU. So owning Gary Patterson there at the end of his tenure. Um, and I gave them another win here. So West Virginia picks up the win over TCU. And then Texas Tech leaves the comforts of Lubbock to come to Fort Worth. Um, Lubbock, I'm sorry. <laughs> and uh, they are going to lose. I have TCU beating Texas Tech in what I'm sure will be a huge shootout. Uh, between two first-year head coaches. Then it's a back-to-back -back road trip. They're going to go at Texas, at Baylor. I have them dropping both of those. And then they bring Iowa State to town, um, who has beat them three straight times, but I have them getting the win there at the end of the season. For a total of five and seven, I am on this under. I think it's going to take a little bit here to get things rolling at TCU. The under's plus 100. I like the value there. So that will bring us to Kansas State Wildcats football. Uh, they are bringing back a total of 57% of their production from a year ago, which is good for 105th in the country. Um, they got some key names, though, that we will talk about. Chris Kleiman's been doing a great job here as head coach. This is year four. Um, he is 20 and 16, and that, that counts a few years getting rolling there that were a little tough. It was a transition from a legend coach, so... It takes a minute, but he's stepped right in and, and really got the ball rolling. Still doing Kansas State shit, recruiting around uh, the 50 to 60 mark in the country, ninth in the conference, seventh in the conference, ninth in the conference the last three years. Transfer portal, however, number 34. So uh, their doors are open for you to come play football for the Kansas State Wildcats. Um, a new version of lock on you for this century, huh? Um Five back on offense from last year. This was the 64th rushing offense, 95th total offense. Five also back on defense, which was the 23rd scoring defense, 31st rushing defense, 44th passing defense, 29th total defense a year ago. So pretty good on that side of the ball, of course. Quarterback Skyler Thompson is gone, but Adrian Martinez comes in from Nebraska. He's been playing college football for like 15 years now, so he knows the game. He's he's a perfect fit for this offense, um, and his coach is going to be the new offensive coordinator, Colin Klein, who is a Kansas State Wild legend at the position. Um, he had basically a Tim Tebow-like career, just the Kansas State version of that. He was that basically exact type of player. Um so he should be perfect to run this offense. Deuce Vaughn is back at running back. He's projected first team All-American. Uh, he had 1,800 total yards last year between rush, receiving and rushing um, and 22 total TDs. So this dude's a stud. He's one of the best in the game. Uh, reminds you of fellow fellow Wildcat uh, 
Darren Sproles a lot. He's that type of back. He's very exciting. Make sure you watch him do spawn this year. Wide receiver has pretty good depth and experience. Uh, two back on the O-line, but they are both offensive tackles. So if you're going to have just two back on your O-line, those are the two you want to bring back. Talent returns on the D with defensive end Felix Anudike Uzoma. Probably, maybe not. Linebacker Daniel Green and cornerback Darius Brents. They are all projected first-team all-conference. So three projected first-team all-conference players there. Defensive tackle Eli Huggins and cornerback Ekao Bodo. That's another guess. <laughs> are both projected second-team all-conference. Linebacker Khalid Duke is projected third. So that shows you there is all-conference level talent. Um all over this defense and will honus transfers in from nebraska he's a starting running back from there the back end of the secondary is a little bit of question mark as far as um experience at the safety positions but i think they will be okay especially with good pressure coming off the edges all right um vegas saying the over under is set at six and a half over minus 135 though under is plus 115 let's see what we think they will start off the year against South Dakota, not the Jackrabbits, just the Dakota. Um, and I think they're going to get a win, even though it was a 7-5 and five playoff team in the FCS last year. They're number 20 in the coaches' poll this year. I still think they get that dub. And then they bring Missouri to town. Missouri is 59-33 all-time, but they haven't played since 2000, 2011 since the Tigers were in the Big 12. Um, and I honestly think Kansas State is a better program than Missouri these days, especially this season. Uh, Missouri travels from the SEC. They've adopted that mindset. They can't win when they play on the road. <laughs> so uh, Kansas State will get the win there. Then Tulane comes to town. Uh, I gave the win to Kansas State, but very tricky game. It's before the Oklahoma game for Kansas State. Um, I think this one could be really, really close. I wouldn't mind sprinkling a little bit on the money line for Tulane, but if I'm picking it for an over-under, I'm going to give the win right now to Kansas State. They go at Oklahoma, follows at Nebraska for Oklahoma. Um, Oklahoma's really struggled with Chris Kleiman. Uh, last year was the first time that Lincoln Riley was able to beat him. Uh, Kansas State had won the previous two matchups, and it was only a six-point game last year. So really interesting spot there. I did give the win to Oklahoma. Then Texas Tech is going to come to town. I got K-State winning that one and winning Farmageddon when they go on the road to Ives to play Iowa State. Um, Iowa State has won three of the last four. Um, they are 52 and 49 all time against Kansas State in form again, but I think Kansas State's going to pick that one up this year. So I got them starting off five and one going into the bye week, and then they go on the road to play TCU, and I'm going to have them take that loss. TCU, a little bit of firepower, maybe it becomes a shootout. Horn Frogs get it done. Oklahoma State comes to town, however. Um, this game is after Texas for Oklahoma State, so maybe they get the win there. Maybe they're smelling themselves. I got Kansas State getting the win over the Cowboys. Um, then Texas comes to town. Texas has a bye week before, uh, and they've beaten Kansas State five straight times, but I have Kleiman getting this one done too. Another win, uh, and then they're going to go on the road back-to-back -back weeks, a tough stretch here at Baylor, at West Virginia. I got two losses, and then rival Kansas comes to town, and uh, Kleiman and the Wildcats get it done. So I got them winning that one. I have this team going to eight and four. Maybe there's a game or two they win. Maybe there's a game or two they lose. From what I had, it could flip-flop either way. I think this team definitely wins at least seven. I think they are good enough to be an eight-win team for sure. I do like the over at minus 135. Uh, that will bring us to the Iowa State Cyclones. 
This team, not very good as far as returning production. Uh, 40% of their total production from a year ago returns good for 128th in the conference, so that's almost dead last. Um, Recruiting-wise, Matt Campbell doing about as good as you can when you're out in the cornfield. Um, <laughs> basically, mid, mid to lower end of the conference, 6-8-6 six, six in the conference the last three years of recruiting. Transfer portal, not something Matt Campbell apparently really thinks much of because they're 109th in the country. This team went seven and five last year. Very disappointing record-wise. People were expecting really big things from Iowa State with all the returning talent that they had. Um, but 10 points of a loss to, to rival Iowa was the worst loss that they had. The rest of them were all single digits. This team actually played pretty close to the level of football we expected. They just didn't win the games. And sometimes that happens, especially when you make dumb turnovers or the ball just doesn't bounce your way. And the ball didn't bounce their way a lot last year, um, which which makes me think that they could kind of regress to the mean this year and, and play more of the football that you expect from them. Maybe not quite as high as they were projected last year, but I still think they're going to be a good team. Matt Campbell's back for set year seven as head coach. 42 and 34 all time there at um, Iowa State, which is really good for this program. Five starters are back on offense. Uh, the 49th total offense from a year ago, 32nd passing offense. Three are back on D, so a little bit concerning there. Defense is their specialty, though. 20th in scoring defense last year, 21st in rushing defense, 11th against the pass, and ninth total defense. So Campbell fires up some good defense. Let's look at the offensive side of the ball, though. Quarterback Brock Purdy is gone, but former four-star Hunter Deckers takes over. Um, and honestly, the scouting report on him is that he might actually be a little bit better of a quarterback. Uh, Brock Purdy, yeah, had the leadership, the experience, all the things you're looking for there. But if you watch Brock Purdy, he's not – let's put it this way. He's in the NFL right now. He's never going to start in the NFL. He's never going to be a starter. It's not going to happen. Um, Colt McCoy was a really good college football quarterback too. You ever see him really play in the NFL? here and there when people get injured, but he's just not an NFL talent. But you can be a great quarterback in college with leadership and not necessarily be the most talented guy on the position, at the position. Hunter Deckers could actually be more talented, so that's going to be interesting to watch. Running back Brees Hall has gone to the NFL as well, but Jarrell Brock takes over, who actually was in the same class as Brees Hall and was ranked higher uh, in that class at the position. So uh, he hasn't shown it yet. But this is a guy that was highly thought of, and um, he does have talent. Tight end also loses Charlie Kohler, who's one of the best tight ends in the country last year, one of the best tight ends to ever play at this program. But they do at least return wide receiver Xavier Hutchinson, who is an absolute stud at the position. So they do have that coming back. O-line, four or five back, plus a starter from 2020 that didn't play last year due to injury. So more or less five of five back on the O-line, which is what you want to see on a team with high turnover. Uh, talent leaves on all over the defense, but they do have defensive end Will McDonald, the fourth back. He has the second most sacks in FBS football since the COVID year in 2020. So really uh, dominating the line of scrimmage there for Will McDonald. Linebacker Orion Vance is projected second team. That should make up for some of the hurt of losing Mike Rose, which um, that's my name. So cool. Uh, Campbell likes his young secondary, but it is inexperienced. So he's thinking um, – He's thinking he's got a talented unit there. I'm sure Will McDonald is going to help them out by uh, forcing passes a little quicker than, than than the quarterback wants to throw them and the routes are ready for. So um, the secondary did get rated a little bit by Ole Miss. 
Matt Campbell and uh, Lane Kiffin in a little bit of a pissing match there over tampering. Um, I mean, if somebody's going to tamper, it's, it's going to be Lane Kiffin. So uh, I'm not going to say he's wrong by any means there. All right. So Vegas is saying that over under is six and a half over plus 100 under minus 120. So they're leaning towards just bowl eligibility or worse for Iowa State. Interesting. They're going to start off the season against four and seven FCS team from a year ago, Southeast Missouri State. I got them getting a win. Then they're going to go on the road to play Iowa, where they have lost six straight times against Iowa in general, not just at Kinnick, um, including their worst loss of the season by 10 points last year. They are 22 and 46 all time against the Hawkeyes. I got uh, Kirk Ferentz getting Matt Campbell, uh, getting the best of Campbell again here in like a 12 to seven ball game. All right, and then Ohio University is on the second leg of a road trip for them. They are going to lose when they come to Ames. And then Baylor comes to Ames. Baylor beat Iowa State 31-29 to in one of their close losses last year. Um, I have Iowa State getting this one done. I know Baylor, a lot of people think a ton of them. But coming to Ames is tough. They get pumped up in those cornfields. And I like them to get the win there. So I have them starting off 3-1, going to Kansas. They're going to win that one bringing Kansas State over to Ames. I do have them taking the loss in farm again there, like I said, when I previewed the Wildcats. Then they go on the road to play Texas. It's between Oklahoma and Oklahoma State for Texas. Iowa State beat Texas 30-7 to last year. Matt Campbell's beat them three straight times. I have them getting a fourth one here, uh, getting the win over the Longhorns on the road. Then they're going to take a bye week and bring Oklahoma to town. Oklahoma also has a bye week, though. Um, they are 78 and seven all time against Iowa State. I got them getting it done here. Iowa State takes the loss. West Virginia comes to town. This is homecoming for Iowa State. I got Iowa State getting the win. They go on the road to play Oklahoma State. It is before Oklahoma for Oklahoma State. And Iowa State did beat this team last year. However, they are two and eight in their last 10 against the Cowboys. I have Oklahoma State getting it done. Texas Tech comes over to Ames. Uh, I got Iowa State getting the win there and then losing on the road when they go to Fort Worth to play TCU. All said and done, I have this team 7-5. and five. I think the number is uh, is definitely favorable for betting the over. You get plus 100. Uh, Matt Campbell's a good coach. He's been doing good things here. I don't really expect the drop-off that a lot of people are, are expecting. Um, the team underperformed last year a little bit. I think they're going to overperform this year and grab seven or eight wins at least. So I'm on board for that over. Next up, we're going to talk about the Baylor Bears. Returning production-wise, um, total it's not great because they lost a lot on defense. Just 37% of their defensive production returns from a year ago. Um, so that is not great. <laughs> uh, this is a defensive team, so... I think I might have wrote the wrong returning production numbers. Uh, I will chat idly into this mic while I double-check myself real quick on this team because something seems – no, no. Um, I did write it a little wrong, but that's all. Uh, this team has more coming back on offense than they do on defense. 51% uh, of their production returns on defense, which is 113th in the country. Um, 65% of their production comes back on offense, which is good for 67th in the country. And it's 58% total, which is good for 98th in the country, which was the only number that I had correct out of any of that. <laughs> um, so either way you shake it, not very good from a production wise returning. The reason I knew it was wrong though, is because you have six back on offense 
and seven back on defense. So you know something's got to give there. It's just that the names that they lost were some pretty big names. Uh, Dave Aranda is back for year three as head coach. He's 14-9 and uh, overall at Baylor so far, so doing a good job there. Recruiting-wise, this team was 49th in the country, 8th in the conference in 2020, but has jumped up to 4th in the conference and 5th in the conference this year, uh, the last two years. So not bad at all there. 79th in the transfer portal, so not really killing it or sucking there. Uh, they were 10-2 and two last year, of course, won the Big 12 um, with losses just at Oklahoma State and at TCU throughout the season. Quarterback's going to be Blake Shapin, who uh, kicked Jerry Bohannon's ass out of town, basically. Uh, took the starting job off, off of him in the spring, and Jerry Bohannon left, took his ball, and went to, to USF down here with me in South Florida by the Tampa area. So there you go. <laughs> Um, he's behind an experienced line. All five starters return. Wide receivers, a bit of, que of a question mark, as is running back. No big names coming back. They lose big names like wide receiver Tyquan Thornton and R.J. Sneed, as well as running back Abram Smith, who had 1,600 yards and 12 touchdowns last year. So uh, a lot going out the door there. Um, a lot of new stuff on offense. Uh, the defense was the strength of the team last year, but now they this is where I'm talking. They lose all the production, right? They lost All-American safety Jalen Petre. They lost linebacker Terrell Bernard. They lost safety JT Woods. Um, they do have an experienced D-line. They are returning uh, first-teamer nose tackle Siaka, Siaki Ika and transferring in, transferring in Jackson Player from Tulsa, who was a dominant defensive line player there. At the G5 level, linebacker Dylan Doyle is projected first team this year, and he's joined by LSU transfer Josh White. Secondary does have some inexperience, but should really be boosted by that front seven. Vegas saying the over-under is set at 7.5, over minus 130, under plus 110. Let's get into it. Uh, first game is going to be 2-9 FCS a year ago. Albany, going to give them the win there. Then they go at BYU. Baylor beat BYU in Waco last year. However, they're going to Provo this year. I got BYU getting revenge. That's a loss for Baylor. Then I have them beating Texas State at home, losing at Ames to Iowa State, and then beating Oklahoma State at home, even though OK State does have the bye um, before it. I think, uh, or, or, yeah, yeah, I think Baylor's just going to get it done here. I think it's a good spot. Uh, then it's going to be the bye week, and then they go at West Virginia to Morgantown. I do have Baylor picking up the win in Morgantown, even though West Virginia also has a bye. They beat them 45-20 to 20 last year. They are 0-5 in Morgantown, so that is interesting, but I think they're the much better program at this point. Kansas comes to town. It's the second leg of a back-to-back -back road trip for Kansas. No shot for them there. Win for Baylor. Back-to-back -back road trip at Texas Tech at Oklahoma. Wah, wah, wah. You get Oklahoma on the second leg. Of a back-to-back, -back. Baylor beat them last year, but they lost the previous seven. They lose this one, so I got them beating Texas Tech in Lubbock, losing uh, in Norman. Then they get two straight home games: Kansas State and TCU. I got them winning both of those. TCU's second leg of a back-to-back -back for them, um, and then I got them losing on the road to play Texas. So I have this team going eight and four. I'm not super confident in this over, like I, like I should be. They won ten games last year. The over under seven and a half. So I am on the over. It's just it's not one of my favorite plays. Um, I can't say that I just feel real great about this team. It's not a program that reloads enough to be dominant from year to year, but eight wins seems like a pretty reasonable number. 
Now let's talk about a team that's not reasonable, <laughs> the Texas Longhorns. And I'm not even just talking over under. I'm just saying this team's completely unreasonable for some reason. They just can't figure things out from a coaching standpoint. This team is way underperforming what they should be doing. Um, just for example, skipping over the production, uh, defensive production from a year ago, they do return 74% of that, good for 38th in the country. So that's a highlight. Recruiting-wise, 2020, they were eighth in the country, first in the conference. 2021, 15th in the country, second in the conference. 2022, fifth in the country, first in the conference. This team should be winning more games than they are winning. It is pathetic that they are not. Talent-wise, they're one of the best, most talented teams in the country, a top 10 most talented team in the country. Figure it out, Texas. Um, number five in the transfer portal this year, so that's good. 2021, they went five and seven. They lost six of their last seven games. They lost six in a row towards the end of the season. Um, Steve Sar Sarkeesian did make it through all that, though, come back for year two as head coach. He is 51 and 42 in his career as a head coach, which seems a little overrated for the amount of hype that this dude always gets when he gets a job when he's not drinking. Uh, they got five back on the offense, which was the 47th total offense from a year ago, but they were 18th scoring offense, 26th rushing offense with Bijan Robinson, four back on defense. It was the 114th rushing defense, 100th total defense. Not great there. Quarterback Casey Thompson transfers out. He's going to Nebraska, leaving Hudson Card and Quinn Ewers transferring from Ohio State. Quinn Ewers, I did realize this offseason looks exactly like Wayne Arnold from the under, Wonder Years. Um, and I really fucking hated Wayne Arnold, so now I hate Quinn Ewers. Just a little tidbit for you there. Um, but that's the quarterback battle, and everybody pretty much expecting Quinn Ewers to win. Uh, after he transferred from Ohio State to Texas, they think he's going to just basically walk in and take the job after, after off of Hudson Carter, who does have starts. So, I mean, he is that level of recruit. We, we shall see. Running back Bijan Robinson returns, should continue to be one of the best backs in all of college football. Dude is a stud. Wide receiver returns some experience. Xavier Worthy set a University of Texas freshman TD record last year. He had 12 touchdown receptions. Um, also, Jordan Whittington and Wyoming transfer six foot three Isaiah Nair, who also had 12 touchdowns last year uh, for Wyoming. So those guys uh, round out the wide receiving court. It looks pretty good there. Offensive line project or, uh, brings back three of five. And then it's projecting two five-star freshman recruits to start on the line this year as well. So expect that O-line to keep uh, improving as the year goes on. Defense was a joke last year, 31 points per game, giving up 201 rushing yards per game. But they got a special assistant coach this year coming into town. Gary fucking Patterson comes to the Texas Longhorns uh, after losing his job there at Texas Christian University, comes over to Texas. Um, wow. Yeah, that should help the defense. What a fuck you sent uh, to TCU. If you ask me, I think that's the whole reason he's taking a break from writing country music to come be a special assistant, which he doesn't have to probably be full time. Right. But I think his presence alone should help this defense out. Um, the D line, though, is mostly new. They do have Condre Coburn returning. He's projected third team all conference. Uh, Jalen Ford showed potential as a freshman. He's going to start at linebacker with projected first-teamer DeMarvin, DeMarvion Overshone. <laughs> the secondary is experienced in, uh, is inexperienced, I should say, but returns projected second-teamer Deshaun Jamison and transfers in quarterback or cornerback Ryan Watts from Ohio State University. What do we know about Ohio State cornerbacks? They typically suck, so who knows. 
but that dude is a projected starter. Vegas saying the number is set at eight, so still setting the high bar for, for the Texas Longhorns. Um, over is minus 135, under is plus 115. They start off the season bringing ULM to town. Terry Bowden's boys, they're going to get a win there. And then they play Alabama in Texas. Texas is 7-1 all-time against Alabama. However, the most recent game was the 2010 BCS Championship in which they lost 31-21. I have them getting their shit pushed in here, getting dominated on the lines of scrimmage. They're going to take a loss. Then they play UTSA, which I would say they're, huh, there's that you know stat about teams after they play Alabama. It's like a body blow, and, and you know they typically lose the next week, blah, blah, blah. However, this game is also after Army for UTSA, which what do we also know? A team following up the triple option is beat up too. So there's two beat up teams playing in Texas. Um, I got little brother taking the loss. Longhorns get it done. Start off two and one. Then they go to Lubbock to play the Texas Tech Red Raiders. Doubled them up last year, beating them 70 to 35. They've won 11 in the last 13. I got them getting it done here. West Virginia is on the second leg of a back-to-back road trip coming to Texas. So I got them losing. Texas beats West Virginia. I have Texas winning the Red River shootout in Dallas. Uh, Oklahoma won last year in come-behind fashion. That's when uh, Caleb Williams really took over and uh, shocked the nation and took the starting job off of Spencer Rattler. Um, I got Texas getting this one done, though. Uh, they're 62-50 and 50 all-time, but they've lost six of the last seven times the Red River shootout has taken place. I got them getting this one over new coach Brent Venables. Iowa State comes to town after, after the Red River shootout. And uh, I got Iowa State getting the win on the road. I got them taking down the Longhorns. Then they're going to go at Oklahoma State in Stillwater. It's homecoming for Oklahoma State. Oklahoma State has actually beat Texas five of the last seven times they have played. I have them getting a win again here. Then it's a bye week, and they're going to go to Manhattan to play Kansas State. I got Texas taking the loss here as well. Um, Then they're going to bring TCU to town. I got them getting a win. They go at Kansas, get a little bit of revenge for that uh, embarrassing loss last year. Um, and then they bring Baylor to town and I got them getting the win over Baylor as well. Texas has still won five of the last seven against another little brother team there. I have this team eight and four, which is square up with the number. However, I'm going to go to the underside of things at plus plus one fifteen. Um, I, I don't see this team crossing the eight wins. I think eight is the ceiling for this team. They have the talent, but they haven't done it as a program yet. And they got to show me that they can win over eight games before I just believe it. So um, I'm on the under at plus 115, and I don't feel too bad about it. All right, so we are on to the top of the mountain of the Big 12. We're going to talk the Oklahoma State Cowboys. Returning production-wise, 53% of their production from a year ago returns. Uh, That is 118th in the conference, most of it coming back on the offensive side of the ball. Recruiting-wise, this team, fifth, third, and third in the conference uh, over the last three years. Last two years, they have been right around the 30 mark in the nation, so not bad for Gundy and the boys there. Transfer portal, not a huge transfer portal team so far. They're 87th in the country in 2022. 2021, they did go 11-1. And and just to show you how the back-to-backs work, how important um, that is, like what a a big thing it is, they lost, their only loss was on the second leg of a back-to-back against Iowa State. That was their only regular season loss. So not a great Iowa State team last year, as we all know, seven and five, but they beat a letter, you know, undefeated Oklahoma State at the time because it was the second leg of a back-to-back road trip. They also lost to Baylor in the Big 12 championship, which could have uh, cost them a spot in the um, in the playoff picture. So who knows there? Probably not. They probably wouldn't have made it anyway, but it's all right. 
Mike Bundy's, Gundy is back for year 18 as head coach. He's 149 and 69 all time. He's got seven back on his offense, which was the 41st rushing offense, 55th total a year ago, and five back on his defense, which was the ninth scoring defense, fifth rushing defense, 35th passing defense, fifth total defense overall. We will uh, talk about that in a second. Let's start off with quarterback with uh, dual threat 15th year starting quarterback Spencer Sanders. I feel like this team has only had three quarterbacks like since I was in high school, Brandon Whedon, Mason Rudolph and Spencer Sanders. That feels like it's been it for like over a decade. Well over a decade. <laughs> um, but Spencer Sanders did have 3,500 yards and 26 TDs rushing and passing combined last year. So that's pretty good. Three of five back on the O line, but it did take hits in the transfer portal. They did bring in projected starter USC transfer Casey Collier at the left tackle position. They lose running back Jalen Warren, who had 1,200 yards and 11 touchdowns last year. They do have Dominic Richardson, who uh, got a lot of play last year. But watch out for four-star running back uh, freshman Ollie Gordon, six foot three, 230 pounds. He might get some burn this year, and uh, he's a big old boy. Wide receiver loses Tate Martin, who had 1,000 yards and 10 touchdowns last year, but they do return Brennan Presley, who had 1,100 all-purpose yards a year ago. All right, the D. You lose six of your eight top tack or your top eight tacklers. That hurts, but you also lose defensive coordinator Jim Knowles. He goes to Ohio State to take the same position. I think that's a really, really big deal. Now, they do bring in Derek Mason to be defensive coordinator, which is, which is awesome. Derek Mason is a great D coordinator. He's a great defensive mind, an okay head coach. Um, but he's coming in to take over for Knowles. So the, the, the transition should be pretty good. It should be pretty seamless, but I don't think you're going to be right on par with those numbers you posted last year being the fifth total defense. I, I really don't. Jim Knowles is um, one of the best D coordinators in the game, I think, right now, and he, he's a little underappreciated, honestly. You'll start hearing his name more that he's at, now that he's at Ohio State, though. Um, defensive end Colin Oliver was a freshman All-American last year. He had 11 and a half sacks. He is back. Um, and he has a projected second team all conference player alongside of him, defensive tackle tackles Tyler Lacey and defensive end Brock Martin, also second team. So D line looking really good. Lots of questions at linebacker and in the secondary. Um, however, freshman or um, free safety Jason Taylor, the second is projected first team all conference. So you do have that. There's scattered pieces throughout there. A good D line should help out the rest of the defense. I, I think it's going to be a good defense just probably a little bit of a step back from what Knowles has been doing there. So they start off the season playing Central Michigan. Last time Central Michigan came to Steel, Stillwater, it was 2016, and they won. Um, but I have this the Cowboys getting this one done. Then they bring Arizona State to town, Herm Edwards boys. I have them getting the win there. And then beating 2-9 and nine FCS program from a year ago, Arkansas Pine Bluff. Then it's the bye week. Then they're going to go to Waco. They're going to go at Baylor. This team beat them in the championship game last year. Um, and I, I have them losing it again here in Waco. So a loss there. They're 3-1. and one. They bring Texas Tech to town, second leg of a back-to-back -back for the Red Raiders. I got Oklahoma State getting the win there, winning at TCU, and then beating Texas on homecoming night um, there in Stillwater. So three straight wins, then a back-to-back -back road trip. I got them losing at Kansas State after beating Texas, emotional uh, hangover game there, but winning at Kansas um, – Watch out for that game, though. I mean, I gave the win to Oklahoma State, but Kansas has a bye before. It's on the second leg of a back-to-back -back after a physical Kansas State team. Um, it's just Oklahoma State, you know, they won 55-3 to last year, so I do expect them to beat Kansas. I'm just saying, tricky spot. Um, 
Then they're going to bring Iowa State into Stillwater. I got them getting the win there. They go on the road to play Oklahoma in Norman. Um, I do have Oklahoma State losing that one. They are 19-90 and 90 all time against Oklahoma. I found that to be insane. I mean, obviously, Oklahoma is the better program. It's just you don't expect quote-unquote rivals. I mean, it has a name. It's Bedlam, right? It's so one-sided. You just don't expect that. <laughs> and then West Virginia comes to Stillwater to finish the season. I got OK State getting it done. I have them going 9-3. and three. Um, And I'm on the over 8.5 at minus 115. I mean, it, it seems like good value. Um, and do I love it? No, it's not necessarily my favorite play. But this team won 11 games last year. I got them projected at 9. Yeah, I'm going to roll on the over. All right, final team in the conference, Oklahoma Sooners. Brent Venables coming from uh, Clemson there. He's a longtime D coordinator, uh, very sought-after coach to, to become a head coach of a program, and he finally makes his mind up to, to bail from the Clemson Tigers uh, before they go to the SEC and everything hits the fan. <laughs> um, so returning production-wise, this team lost a lot. We'll just put it this way. They do have 82% of their defensive production from a year ago, uh, which is 16th in the nation, and Venables got to love that. Um, recruiting at a very high level, 13th in the country, second in the conference, 10th in the country, first in the conference, eighth in the country, second in the conference uh, the last three years. Transfer portal this year, number four. So kind of a USC situation here. A lot of players out the door with the coaching change, but then a lot of players in the door um, for the Sooners. 2021, they went 10-2. and two. They lost at Baylor at Oklahoma State. Uh, they had the fifth or they have five back on offense. This was the eighth scoring offense, 18th total offense from a year ago, three back on D. It was the 30th rushing defense, 109th against the pass. Not great there. 76th total uh, defense a year ago. Jeff Levy is in his offensive coordinator. He spent the last two years at Ole Miss. And in 2019, he was at UCF coaching the quarterback that comes in through the transfer portal, Dylan Gabriel Rattler and Caleb Williams, both out. Dylan Gabriel comes in to take over already projected second team all-conference player. This guy is lightning in a bottle, um, so they shouldn't miss too much of a beat there at the quarterback position. They do lose Kennedy Brooks at line or running back, and there's nothing really crazy special to to, uh, to pack them up. I mean, they, they, they got guys that have been there, Eric Gray being the one that's probably going to take over. But uh, watch out. Maybe Javante Barnes, the freshman that they got this year, he's supposed to be pretty electric. Maybe he's going to be the guy to really step up into the rotation. Wide receiver still has some weapons, even though they lost Mario Williams and Jaden Hazelwood to the Porter. They do have Marvin Mims. And then former five-star wide receiver recruit Theo Weiss comes back from an injury uh, last year. He was he was baller in 2020. Or, I'm sorry, he was a five-star recruit in 2020. And uh, he's back, so he's looking like he might be the guy this year, uh, other than Mims, who's a big play wide receiver. Ted Roof comes with uh, Brent Venables from Clemson. Uh, he's going to be the defensive coordinator. The D-line projects uh, has projected second-team all-conference player Jalen Red Redmond and transfers in four-year starter uh, Jeffrey Johnson to the defensive line as well. Linebackers Danny Strutzman and returning starter Deshaun White are both projected second-team all-conference. The secondary adds a UNC starter uh, for the last few years, free safety Trey Morrison. And a four-year starter from Wyoming and is in a corner, C.J. Colden. Um, and they're joining up in the secondary with projected third-teamer Key Lawrence at free safety and projected third-teamer uh, cornerback Woody Washington. So a lot of names there on defense. Venable's having a lot to work with. We'll see what he does with it. Uh, Vegas is saying the over-under is set at 9.5. Um, let's see. Both numbers are minus 110, so they're not sure if it's 9 or 10. 
They're going to start off the year. They're going to bring UTEP to town, then Kent State. Two easy wins there. I got them losing the game at Nebraska. It was a close game last year, 23-16. Um, 46-38 and all-time Oklahoma is against Nebraska, so it's a fairly close series there. I got Nebraska getting this one done in Lincoln. Uh, then Kansas State comes to town. I got Oklahoma winning that one. It's homecoming for uh, Oklahoma, but I got them getting the win anyway. Uh, then they are going to go on the road to play uh, TCU in Fort Worth. Uh, I got them getting that win as well, but then losing to Texas in the Red River shootout. Um, it was 55-48 to 48 last year. Like I said, I think Texas rebounds this year and Sark gets it done. Kansas comes to town after that. I got Oklahoma getting the win. And then a bye week, they go at Iowa State in Ames. Iowa State also has a bye, and they won last year. Um, but I have Oklahoma getting it done for the win now. This year, uh, then Baylor comes to town, second leg of a back-to-back -back for them. I have Oklahoma beating them as well. But then losing on the road in Morgantown to the West Virginia Mountaineers. Close game last year. Uh, West Virginia just 2-11 and all-time against Oklahoma. But I have them getting their third program win over the Sooners this year. Oklahoma State comes to town after that. I have Oklahoma beating them in Bedlam. And then they're going to go to Lubbock to play Texas Tech the final week of the season. I got them winning that as well. I have Oklahoma at 9-3. and three. Um, Take your pick on the over-under. I don't like it either way. I lean maybe a little bit under because of all the change. I mean, you got a first-year head coach. Um, it's tough to know what to expect there when you got that situation. So I'm leaning under, but it's nothing strong, really. Um, so that will do it. My favorite play for this conference for the Big 12 is Texas Tech, under 5.5 at minus 120. I think that's a decent price. Um, for a team that I, I don't really think is going to sniff a bowl this year, if I'm being honest, I'll pay the minus 120 for that. Best value, I have at Iowa State. You're getting uh, pretty much even money, plus 100, um, to, to go over 6.5, which is something that I think Matt Campbell's well well capable of. They lose a lot, but they have enough returning where I feel confident in this team to at least get to 7. So that's going to do it for the Big 12. Next up will be the Big 10. We're getting into the final two conferences um, so I'm excited. Let's get it wrapped up and let's get on to some picking some games, making some predictions, other things like that. You can find me on Twitter at GCG underscore wins. The podcast page is at Coastal Covers 24. Always reach out. Thank you. Follow, uh, subscribe, all those things. Uh, you can find us on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, and Amazon Music. Um, you can listen to, on us, to us on any one of those. Please reach out. We'd love to hear from you. Uh, we will see you next time for the Big Ten.